Welcome to Celebrate Story. Today's episode is a continuation of an interview Julie did with Kim Honeycutt that we released earlier this week. If you haven't listened to that yet, I would highly recommend going back and having a listen. If you have listened, then here you go. Part two of Julie and Kim Honeycutt. Enjoy. Welcome. 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 To celebrate. To celebrate. Story. Welcome to celebrate story. Meanderings in motherhood. 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 With my mom. My mom. It's my mom. With my mom. With my wife. Julie Wagner. Julie Wagner. Julie Wagner. Julie Wagner. Oh, this is another question I wanted to shift to. Um, I was thinking about, like, when I was trying to sit down and type these questions, I was thinking about, like, trying to sum up what the space has meant for me, for, for you, like, what you've done for me. Like, how do I communicate succinctly what you've done for me? Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought of, you know, I'm such a, like, a quote collector. <laughs> and I thought of, um, I was reading your book at the same time I was reading Mother Hunger. And in Mother Hunger... Um, she talked about we all have this mother wound and she talked about that mothers guide, nurture, and support. Hmm. And it struck me because I was like, I think that's exactly what the safe space of therapy has done for me. Mm, wow, that's good. You have guided and you have nurtured and you have supported. And yeah. it's, I liked hearing you unpack that tension with those that can't accept the tension. Right. And how you're like, that is what it is yeah. because – I think what struck me so much is that I'll think we're going to hit something where I'm like, oh, she's going to tell me this, that I need to do this. And you never try to control Mm -hmm. my decisions. It's like wherever I'm at, you guide it Mm -hmm. and you nurture it and you support Mm, it. That's good. And I'm, it's striking because then I think about how our relationship with God, like there's no, he's not controlling our decisions. Mm. And it's like this, you know, this, this, guiding supporting and nurturing and I just I don't know I was like and then I thought about it I was like I wonder I wonder if that is fair words like how does that strike if I say what a psycho what you do Mm -hmm. mothers I mean you're not quite old enough to be mothering me because we're only a few years apart (laughs) but do you see what you do as mothering I'm just curious yeah I, I think you could do a whole podcast or a blog or a post about that I think that's so beautiful what you said so insightful you know, just taking those three adjectives and just feeling that and knowing that so much of my story and what got repurposed and what God reconciled was that my own mother couldn't love me, right? And he reconciled that relationship. And even though I didn't want him to, I was good with not having a mom, and he he made that happen. And so, but just those adjectives of knowing, because you don't know this, probably don't know this, but as a trauma recovery consultant, or a therapist, a counselor, whatever your people's title is these days, our job is to be the good enough mother. Oh, wow. That's how we talk about it. We're to be the good enough mother. And to be there for you and for you to know that I'm okay and I'm going to sit with you until you know you're okay. Oh, that's so beautiful. Yeah, and that's why it's such an amazing job. And, and I want to say this real quick to cover myself. I do see people as a trauma recovery consultant and not a psychotherapist because being a psychotherapist is licensed and it limits what I can do. And as a trauma recovery consultant, it allows us to have this conversation that we're having right now. And so I found ways to be there more for people and to find creative strategies in a way 
that allows people to truly release what they're holding on to. They won't let them be who they are. And so those adjectives, the guide, the nurturing, the support, all that, like that's that's perfect for, for just a job description for me. I loved hearing your response to that. Laughter. It's so healing. And it's interesting to me how laughter and tears are so closely related that that they they seem like opposites, right? Like they seem like total opposites. You're going to laugh or you're going to cry and those feel like opposite emotions, but I'm completely obsessed with how close they are. Like how you can laugh so hard you cry and how you can cry so hard you laugh and how both of them, when experienced with another person, you both have to be your guards down, your armor off. It's a completely vulnerable posture with another human being. And so I'm obsessed with it. I'm obsessed with how laughter can be so healing and so closely related to tears. So one of story that, that I want to share is I think it's amazing how some of the most, you know, seemingly mu- like innocuous moments in therapy can be so healing and can literally dance in your head for weeks after it happened. Here's one such moment. So I've been wrestling with this holding on to the baby years and also letting go. I literally had an experience with a miscarriage where my body was holding on to the placenta and letting go of the baby. And this was so unbelievable to me because I'm like, this is exactly what I'm doing in my heart. These baby years, they've been such a part of my identity and I'm holding onto them so tightly, but also intellectually accepting it is time to let them go. And so that has been one piece of my reckoning one piece of my journey. And I was wrestling through all those feelings of like, yes, I'm absolutely done because I can't seem to keep up with what I have. And I'm just getting in this really passionate moment of really expressing to her how hard hard it is um, in some of the trenches of my life. And I'm like, you know what? I heard once a long time ago that taking care of children is like sweeping back the ocean with a broom. And that you have to be content with this like resetting. And I was like, I get that. I understand that. I've embraced that. If I had one broom and one ocean, I could find the beauty, I could find contentment, and I could find peace with just the continual sweeping and the continual resetting. I said, but I have eight freaking brooms. And I'm saying this in such a passionate way. And this this session happened to be on a telehealth session. And I'm like getting really close to the screen and just screaming this. And like, well, I don't know if I was screaming it. Sometimes I'm way, what I've learned in therapy. Sometimes I'm way harder on myself than I really need to be. Um, but I'm like saying it so passionately. And she burst out laughing. And as she burst out laughing, I started laughing. And shortly after that, we wrapped up the session. I have revisited that moment so many times in my mind because I realize in my own home, I, and she never said it, but I realize I'm the one, the only one that can put down the seven additional brooms that no one asked me to take eight brooms at the same time, that I am the only one that can choose to hold one broom at a time. And so that's a practice I'm working on at home is one broom at a time. 
introduced me in therapy to Dan, Dr. Dan Siegel's work um, of the idea of being seen and soothed and safe. Mm-hmm. How is it? So are there times in, in your work as a therapist that you're seeing, I mean, you, ha- I mean, that's a real gift to be able to like, okay, I know this person may me- need to move in this direction, but I have to meet them where they're at. Is that, is that a struggle to not, not push, mm. not, I don't, I don't know. I'm just curious to hear more yeah. about the internal work. Does it take a lot of internal work? Like, cause I think of me as a mom, Yeah. like when I know there's something my kids to do and it's like, I'm growing so much in understanding they are their own individual and right. I am my own individual and I can influence, but I cannot control. Right. And so I guess I'm curious to hear you talk about that more because it's been a journey for me to accept that I can only influence. Right. I cannot control. So I'm guessing that's why you kept having more kids so that you could <laughs> keep perfecting that and working yes. on that. That I was mean, the only reason. Try, right? try, try again. That's right. Let's see. Out of one out of eight, it's going to turn out good. Yes. Right? Someone's yes. going to take care of you when you're older. So yes. that's good news. I mean, yeah. and I hit the jackpot. I feel like all eight are doing great. <laughs> They're doing great so far. We're good. Yeah. So what was the question? Okay. Just this idea of like, is, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, I did that. I interrupted myself. I No, I, I and I got sweaty. So I and like, I'm not oh. medicated. So who knows what just so happened? Who knows, who knows? This whole conversation, who knows? Yes. I'm curious if, because I struggle with, and I've been on a journey of, remembering that I can't control this child. I can only influence them. Right. And so it's like, I want to do that for my kids to guide, nurture and support them and accept. Cause I think I put way too much on myself for mm-hmm. thinking I can control this other person. Yeah. And so there's such, oh my, such beauty and space and not trying to control somebody. <sighs> it is incredible freedom. So, I don't have an agenda when I go in. I may say, hey, when we ended last time, we were talking about what happened to you in fifth grade. It's your choice if we delve back in or not, right? Like, I'm not going to force that. And so because of that, what happens in the session is so spontaneous. It, and a lot of times the session, only two minutes of it is even therapy because it's so hard to do the deeper work, right? So I don't feel any need to control anybody, like, Today I was working with somebody I've known for a long time. We get each other. We speak the same language. And she, just from, so people don't say anything by accident in session. So I will pick up on things and say things and say, hey, this is what I got. Is there anything there for you? Check your body. We'll go into it. So she said something today about making a list. Just making a list. So I jumped on that because a lot of people who make lists, they do it out of shame. They do it to try to feel worthy by getting things off the list. And so it's not true worth. It's temporary. You just get a feeling of deserving, and then you have to have a list the next day, right? So if it's, if it, right, because, you know, whatever we don't release, we recycle. And so when you have to keep oh. doing it over and over again, it keeps getting recycled, something else is there. And so through that, she discovers or thinking, she said, you know what? I'm making these lists because I want proof that I'm not my mom. I want proof that I'm really taking care of my kids because she wasn't taken care of. Mm. And so from that, I said, hey, so let's talk about how you actually regulate that in your system because it's not a concept. Like you have to move it in your body. And so we talked about how, you know, do like you give your husband Steve bids for a connection. And when he catches them, like you feel connected to him and your body relaxes. When he misses, like the story that goes in your head and you're mad for days <laughs> and don't feed them, whatever, whatever happens in this household, right? So we talked about that. And so I've seen like that little girl in you who didn't get taken care of, 
this is her giving you a bid for a connection. Mm. Like, can you catch that instead of making the list? Is there a way to sit with her for a few seconds? So there's nothing to prove. It's just about being. Mm. And those little moments, those little pockets become healing pockets. And then that permeates throughout your body and your life. But it's a very slow process. And if I was trying to control it, we would have never gotten there. Mm. Do you think this, this inability for so many of us to connect to ourselves, where does that come from? Is it like our individualized culture? Is it like from a young age where shame for don't be selfish? Is it patriarchy? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Like, it seems so crazy to me mm -hmm. to feel awake to how many of us are so bad and oh, dealing with negative emotions. Girl, I got job security. Like, <laughs> yes, you do. Yeah. Yes, you do. Y'all going to pay for my house, and I appreciate it. <laughs> so it's good. And you work hard for it. I do. So. I do. But it's great. I still absolutely love it, and that's important to do what you love. But it's it's a lot. Like, we have very conditioned self. You get taught as a child to have a personality. Your personality is actually what you use to keep people at a distance from you. It's what you use to actually a control. Mm -hmm. You use it to control what's happening. And so... Like when I walk into a situation, and my wife's very aware of this, how I walk in to a group of people, and I love people. I love the bigger the group, the better I am. I still show up a little bit differently. There's self in there, but I still show personality. And I can control how close someone gets to me through that. Versus one-on-one, -on -one, there's a whole different dialogue and relaxation and connection, right? But getting raised, you get raised to be conditioned. If you're going to fit into this family, you're going to be in this role. Well, we're not called to a role. We're called to a purpose. Mm. And the role doesn't get you there. But the role will keep you in your family. And it'll keep your family happy. It'll keep your mom and dad happy. But it doesn't mean it's who you're called to be by your Heavenly Father. That's so beautiful. And I, the doer, baby, this is perfectionistic of me. <laughs> but I'm like, how can I start now with my eight children? And letting them <laughs> yeah. be more than the boxes right. I'm accidentally functionally yeah. around them. Right. Yeah. Well, just you saying that means that there's an invitation for them to be themselves that they get to figure out because even in the behavior, there can be some self inside of it. It's as simple as, so people can argue that I'm a workaholic and I think I'm much better at that than I used to be, but I can work the same hours, but do it diligently versus doing it in a workaholic way. Cause I'm a workaholic. I'm covering something. Mm. I can motivation. work the same hours. Yeah, it's the motive. It's, it's that's well about the Enneagram. It's about the motivation behind the behavior and not just what you do. Like, what's the motivation? So I can work a 12-hour day. The motivation behind it is because I'm connected to self and I am really, really love what I'm doing versus I work 12-hour day because I want to prove my mom wrong about why she didn't love me. Preach. All right, so that's the difference. And it's so beautiful, which is also why we should never, ever think we understand another person. Yeah. Because right. it's like you have no idea if I'm yeah. connecting – because I'm trying to be codependent or right. if I'm motivated. That's right. It's, it's, it's part of my issue with the church. I have more issue with this than I probably do with how they treat me as a gay person. I have issue with the fact you take people who are actually active in a trauma response or an addiction, fawning, which is a trauma response, which looks the same as codependency. And fawning means you as a child do things to avoid conflict, to try to please somebody to calm down what's happening. Mm. That untreated as an adult becomes codependency. So how many churches are encouraging performance and codependency in teaching people not to, to neglect yourself 
don't pay yourself any attention to serve other people. When I was drinking and drugging, people kept saying, hey, there's just God, and he loves you. He loves you so much. He sent his son for you. He wants you to know who you really are, and not, you're not this real drunk person. Well, I eventually got sober, so going to church, and they said, well, well, now that you're sober, neglect yourself, forget about you, stop being so selfish, and just go serve people in the church. Well, God sent his son for me. Me. I get that. I feel that. I experience that for me. So why... Would he sacrifice his son and then tell me not to pay attention to the one he sent his son for? I don't, I, I'm such a literal thinker. I can't understand that. So one of the worst things we do in the church is teach people to neglect themselves. And we use scripture. Yes. We use scripture to neglect yourself and just serve other people. I'm no longer waiting for someone else to pass me the microphone. See, one of the things over the last few years that I have been working on personally is this healing path through codependency. And the best metaphor that I can give you for codependency is for me, my codependent heart for most of my life gave chains to anyone I loved, gave a chain to anyone and everyone I loved. And whenever they pulled on that chain, they could pull on my heart. And one of the things that actually the Enneagram helped me start doing is to see that those chains were all out to everyone and I wasn't holding any of them. And some of the work that I've done through the Enneagram and through therapy is taking back the end of those chains. Yes, I mean, I I bought into that. I bought into... Well, I can't wish for a mom's ministry because it's not about me. It's about the lost and least. Right. right. Like, how could I ever wish for a mom's ministry? Like, I should right. just stop being so selfish. Right. You better, you better repent right now, girl. You better find some rosary beads. You better do something because that's horrible. Yes. Right? But, but that's how we get taught. That's how we get taught. Yes, because there's a, like, but then talk to me about, like, we have this relationship with our church, and there's attachment styles with our churches. Yes. Talk see to how me smart you are? Do you see how smart you are? Yes. You have a really good therapist. So your attachment style as a child combined with trauma, and trauma means that something happens that you don't have a container for, you don't know how to regulate, and then shame comes in around the age of eight, no matter what. Eight. Mm-hmm. All of that, untreated, unresolved, is what dictates your understanding of who you are. So if you have a disorganized attachment like I did as a child, and there's trauma, which I had, and a lot of shame came in, none of it was resolved, that is the perfect equation for addiction. Mm. So understanding the four types of attachment styles, and in America we have four types. Other countries have like 25. So, But here we try to keep it simple. That understanding what your attachment style is to each parent that raised you, your current partner, if you have one, and then start looking, how do you attach to yourself? Do you have a secure attachment to yourself? Do you have a preoccupied attachment to yourself? Then how do you attach to God? And then start thinking, what's your attachment style to the church? Is your church as a whole wanting you to be preoccupied attachment, which means you just serve them? You're preoccupied with what's going on with their needs, wants, and desires, and not your own. Or is your is your church avoidant, and they just care about themselves, right? It's just about them. Like there's, so I would study that. Um, I would suggest a book called Attached by Dr. Levine, or I would suggest go to DianePoolHeller.com. 
She does a great job. There's a thousand things out there. There's the adult um, attachment inventory. You can look that up. But learn your attachment as a child, your attachment now, and then look at how are you, what kind of attachment style does your church have That's to so see good. if you're healthy or not. If it's not a secure attachment, find a church that has it. That's so good. Yeah. That's so good. This section from your book I want to talk about. It's on page 115. Um, it's in the chapter called the three R's. And I love how in your book, because I'm such a quote person, I love that at the beginning of each of your chapters, you have a quote. Yeah. Like a truth bomb. Hmm. Um, so on 115, I'm going to read this. And then I want to know, because as, as, an, as an artist, a beginning artist, I know that I can create something and I can be like that. Yes, that's what I wanted to say. But then time goes by and oh, I'm like, yeah. I wish I said this and yes. let me emphasize this. Yeah. So I want to read it and then I want to know what strikes you at your core of like, you know what? I want to really emphasize this part okay. or I want to add this Okay. because I think everyone needs to hear this quote. Thank you. We all need to know we matter. We all need to feel some measure of importance. Every one of us needs to be seen and heard and we need to be validated and loved only the enemy wants us to be ashamed of our needs. Our needs allow deeper connections, and the enemy is the only one who wants us to live in isolation. So many of us confuse neglecting ourselves with denying our old selves, meaning we not only refrain from asking what we need, we don't even know our needs. We labor intensely towards others' needs while resenting the fact this no one is noticing we have needs as well. When I used to suffer silently and wait for you to notice my needs, I was actually wanting you to do for me what I was not even doing for myself. When we neglect our needs, what others think of us and how they treat us can become more important than what God thinks of us. Sure. That's self-neglect. And that is just so powerful. Mm. I want to hear whatever you want to share in response to your own words. That actually makes me sound smart. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember writing that, but I agree with that person. That person's really smart. Whoever wrote that. So yeah, I was still, I still part of my mission. I just want us to get it that from Genesis in the Bible to your own personal Genesis, shame is what gets used to separate you from self. And the more separate from self you are, the more, the more painful life is. Right. The more that you need other people to notice you, the more that you need other people to do something for you, but you won't let it happen because you don't think you're worthy. It's such a horrible cycle. It's just walking around the promised land for 40 years. It's so painful. So I really just want to emphasize that people are worthy of knowing who God's called them to be. And without that, how do you know what that your favorite color is periwinkle? Mm. Like, all fours colors favorite color is yeah how how do you know like just to really define what worth is and and so as i go throughout my day is there evidence that i agree with god that i'm worthy or is there evidence that i'm waiting for someone else or am i doing something to be worthy if i'm doing something that's an earning mentality and that doesn't work in the christian world unless you're around people that it works for they want you to believe that. God doesn't want you to believe that. That's so beautiful. That's so beautiful. 
And I'll add this a little bit to go with that. One of my biggest breakthroughs was when I was so, you know, I spent years so upset with how my mom treated me. And, you know, in my book, I talk about how we had a family function and she brought a gift for everybody but me and gave everybody a gift. And I just sat there and was like, so do I get something? She's like, I didn't know what to get you. I was like, cash, mother, cash, just give me cash. And so, but I had a breakthrough that I kind of got it. I hated how she treated me. I hated she would publicly demean me. I hated that she couldn't claim me. But see, I was doing the same thing to myself. And I may have learned it from her about past age 18, so now I had a responsibility. Blame and responsibility are two separate things. They've never met each other. So I could blame her for teaching me that, or I can take responsibility and stop treating myself the same way. And that is when my life changed. And that's so so beautiful like you're such a wounded healer in that because that's what you've taught me yeah you've taught me the things the places of the greatest pain with gentle loving questions Mm -hmm. you've helped me see how i'm just continuing to do it to myself and once that stops god can take you anywhere it's it's blowing my mind which speaking of gifts this is something tiny but when you said that this is a tiny gift i have it's very tiny it's very little but it's yours thank you open it up okay (laughs) In closing, it's just something little, but I just, when I saw it, I was like, this is what she needs. We could spend like another five hours talking about receiving and how hard that is for people who struggle <sighs> with connection. Yeah. Receiving. Like just being able to receive a gift, right? Like how hard that is for it so is many of us. so hard. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love the color of that. See how you made me soft? <laughs> talking to my wife. She's sitting beside <laughs> me. <laughs> Celebrate. It's a celebrate stone. Memory of that our talk so cool. today. Oh, that is so cute. <laughs> <laughs> I also got a Reese's um, Christmas tree because it's almost Christmas, everybody. So that is That's amazing. Thank little... you. I love it. It's beautiful. I love the color. I really do. I'm so glad. Thank and you. I can't thank you enough. I'm like, I'm going to be feasting on this talk on mm. many runs. That's awesome. <laughs> you recycle. Like, okay. Oh, Absolutely. So thank you. Honestly, I love your podcast. I love the framework. I love that something that can combine and connect you and your husband. And and even knowing your kids are in the house, knowing that you're doing something that's about you. And it's also for others. And it's okay that it's both. So thank you for letting me be here. You're so welcome. Thank you so much for agreeing to. I'm so moved yeah my honor there's not there's not enough words but there's sweat marks that prove how excited I've been <laughs> there's all these sweat marks thank you Kim for lending your voice and your time to Julie and to celebrate story to the listeners check out Kim's podcast flip your lid her book but your mother loves you and her mental health speaking ministry, ICU Talks. Information for that can be found at icutalks.com or in today's show notes. In fact, if we reference any books, podcasts, videos, etc., we will always post links to those in the show notes so they're easy for you to access. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week with a brand new episode of Celebrate Story.